And see, that's the beauty of the whole thing. It oh, just does it. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, excuse me? Um, yeah, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to know if I could uh, come sit with you guys. No. Can't you see we're doing a podcast here? Oh. break dude hey you know what we're here at this parking structure turned restaurant right. you know we're trying to enjoy the ambiance of this good food mixed in with this spilled oil mm-hmm. next to us here in this parking garage i have to do this podcast and i can't have any distractions i can't have anyone sit with us ladies and gentlemen i want to thank you for tuning into another episode of come sit with us i want to thank you for come and sitting with us this is uh episode 13 this show is completely off the cuff. We actually we actually had to make her leave because we were saving a seat for you guys, the audience. And we couldn't, you know, take up we couldn't give away your seat like that. So, you know, we were doing it for you, the audience. <laughs> Isaiah, that was the biggest save of 2020. <laughs> right. That is gonna be the biggest highlight of this year. Because I was already telling Mark, you're gonna get canceled like really quick. Like, you know, I know half of his listeners are female. And yeah. so I was saying, you know what, if they're gonna get upset with that that first bit, but in reality we were doing it for you guys. So yeah, the, um, the beauty about all that is that we just wanted to have a, f- a funny intro. I feel that our intro is glorious as all ever, but I wanted to spice it up a little bit. And so we did, you know, film, put in some ambiance for you guys, put in the, the, uh, unusual and rare sounds of an inside restaurant that is busy and exceeding capacity past mm. uh past coronavirus capacity. Oh yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> that wasn't recorded recent, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Have you ever enjoyed a a nice meal in a parking lot garage lately? In a parking lot garage? No, I actually haven't. Have you? No, I've been doing all my restaurant orders to go. To go. I you know, I've been trying to like do uh just kind of in-house, you know, cooking um if not that, then I'm picking up like trying to stay healthy by going like to Wabba Grill or something. But yeah, I haven't really done too much ordering out like that. Yeah, I've uh, I passed by that Boston's restaurant. Oh yeah, Montana, yeah, yeah, yeah. AKA the bar that everybody where we have knows. like this. Everybody knows. Not, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, there it's you like go. a little high school reunion every time we go there. Right. They hey, have seats. Mark, it's like oh, something you yeah. don't want to see. <laughs> Say, uh, yo, Nesquik, hey, yo. <laughs> Spit a verse. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's at least eight stalls occupied with tables and canopies mm-hmm. and this half, half-assed restaurant setup. And this oh, is no man. way taken away from Boston's, but it's, they're trying to make do with what they're given among, amongst the laws. Yeah. Right. And, and so is every other restaurant, but man, it is, I, I can't take myself to, to go out. Yeah. Hey, what's up, babe? You want to go to Boston's? You, you yeah. make it a parking stall? Definitely do not. I don't recommend taking a date. To There's Boston's people waiting sure. outside of that. Re- <laughs> There's like on, on a Friday night or mm-hmm. Saturday night, mm-hmm. I see at least four or five parties waiting for a table. That may not be the outside patio area, but you may get the 
the exclusive creme de la creme seating area in the parking stalls. Wow. I just, I haven't seen that yet. So that's, I mean, it's something they're making do, like you said, with what they can, they got to still have business continue. And, you know, fortunately it's, you know, it's kind of came to this point, but you know, I don't know. I mean, have you tried going there yet and seeing your experience or you just kind of passing by it? I've, I've stuck with mainly ordering out and taking the food back home. Yeah. Yeah. It helps the, it helps overhead with the restaurants instead of cleaning up and bussing tables and stuff. Right. So I figured I can do all that, do all that in my place. I think yeah. I'll be all right in that. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning in to another great episode of Come Sit With Us. I'm Mark Flores along with my co-host Isaiah Martinez. In culmination with the intro that we had for you guys, Come Sit With Us is a podcast where we want to have generalized topics being discussed by myself and Isaiah, but with light conversation that you would have over drinks or have over a nice dinner, not in a, not next to a big oil slick in the parking stalls. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for tuning in. It's, it's always, I'm always flattered. <laughs> the gutter, to, like you see it, like the, it oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the, uh, by the gutter. You get to see Pennywise by the gutter while you're eating. You're all trying to eat a chicken sandwich. Right, right. Penny. Trying to finish it. You're like, mm, this is good. And all of a sudden the clown, like, hey, either. Uh, we all float down here. Hey there, Marky. <laughs> I used to be terrified of that clown. The oh. the 90s It special, that clown is the worst. Yeah, he's up there. And I think I saw a bit they did. Tim uh, Curry. Yeah, Tim Curry had, played the clown. They had Pennywise versus the Joker or something on the. They, they were both like. Uh, doing a rap battle or something like that. I don't oh, know if you've on seen YouTube? That. Yeah, the, the, it was on YouTube. It was pretty dumb, but it was funny. Um, I don't know. I'm still going with the Joker as my favorite, like, kind of, like, villainous clown. I think he's still it. You yeah. know, there's no nobody like the villain, the Joker. Uh, he's going to top it. The best part about the, the Joker is that there's so much variety to him. Yeah, you have the um, um The early iteration with Adam West, you have uh, the gentleman... Oh yeah, uh, Caesar. Mm, his name, his first name, Caesar. But his his main thing was that he was a famous actor, and that he was so diehard about his mustache that he would have people paint over his mustache. Oh wow! Um, I forget the gentleman's name. But There's also he, the guy that did the voice for the cartoon show too. He did a great Mark job. Hamill. Yeah, he did yeah. a great job uh, doing that. Yeah. And you know, Pennywise isn't really. I guess it's not even technically really a clown. It's really supposed to be yeah, your greatest fear. Yeah, this fear. Yeah, so it's it's not even. A clown per se. It was just happened to be that boy's fear, which so is a very is your, scary thing. I mean, so what is your fear? You remember the clown maze we went into in uh, Universal? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, scary. killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, that was very scary. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even want to walk in that place. But you were, you were braving it out, man. I'm surprised. That was your first time uh, hanging yeah. out with, uh, well, doing the rounds that I do with Horror Nights. Yeah, so. I had to desensitize myself, dude. Because if you think about it, like that place would freak you out a bit. I, I use Horror Nights to decompress all my fears i use that yeah. whole night to just be like let it all out oh yeah man you let it all out man <laughs> because, he only uh, says that because i was i was holding him when i got scared i was like hold me yeah dude i think there was a when we were leaving we were we were we stopped at a starbucks really quick on our way out of universal studios and one of the people dressed up 
you know, I don't know, he's, he's like a zombie or something. He's like creeping up around the table, like trying to scare us. And, uh, I was watching him like, he's creeping up on somebody. I think somebody we were with yeah. and he's like creeping around their shoulder. I'm like, dang, dude, this fool is like really going in right now. Like yeah. you're about to give this person like a heart attack or something, man. Like you mentioned they're into it. You mentioned any of those clowns that, that, that get, like how many KOs do does the staff deal with because of like people getting shocked and their first reaction is to punch oh, yeah, something? Imagine. Yeah, <laughs> just just a big old. <laughs> we clock. got another one. You know, I seen that video. There's somebody who dresses up like as a snowman and they do a video clip and they're like dressed up as a snowman. They're staying. They're standing still, and as people are walking by, they like move the body like all like crazy, and it like scares people, right? I think there's one clip where he does that, and then this guy like big old like arms of steel here just clobbers that clown like a haymaker just right to the jaw and Makes the, all clown, the snow melt yeah the clown just he flies back like in his costume <laughs> he just flies back <laughs> he just got knocked the heck out like gives him a mortal out. combat uppercut <laughs> yeah oh man and it was just a crazy like haymaker it would look like a kimbo slice type of like like just okay. socked oh. your face. oh that was the funniest but hey it it worked. He put it at the end of his video clip. So yeah. like it got, you know, some laughs, I'm sure. Help help for the views. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully all those views helped uh, with all the, uh, the medical bills. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah oh, I, I don't got know. vertigo for the yeah. rest of my life, but Imagine. it was all worth it. <laughs> Jaws all dislocated. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. So Isaiah, I, we didn't do the episode last week. No, we're, I'm still doing this research on yeah. the, four part series that I'm going to have. Right. With, and I'm going uh, through legal battles. So there's, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. You still have to, your <laughs> cross action lawsuit where you're suing them and they're suing you. So it's yeah, like, instead it's of like, class action, we're it's all cross action lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going through uh, various litigations that we can't really divulge into right now. Yeah. I, mean, I can't uh, even make a really comment on know, it. Yeah. Really don't know how you're going to be doing it. Right. Um, so yeah, you were doing some research on, I want to figure out the the man before the assassination. And of course, you guys know I'm trying to figure out the you ins can. and outs of this JFK, JFK assassination. There's no way. And I lightly treaded on it in on the Mark and Andre show. I only went with all the the various ins and outs that I knew at the time. But now what I want to do is that I want to make sure that the audience and myself, for that matter actually Mm -hmm. figures out who a young JFK was to help paint this picture of what happened at a Dealey Plaza. It's crazy because, you know, we look back in history and we all love the guy. He's beloved by our nation, right? From even, I think, across both aisles even. The most popular president by far. But at the time, in the moment, he was hated by a lot of people, actually. So that's the crazy part about it is like, how could people dislike a guy who was very beloved, you know? Only served two and a half years as president. Right. And you would think by now Trump would be sniped, but that's just not the case. I am <laughs> and I am very surprised that there wasn't anything happening when Barry was in wasn't was president. When mm-hmm. Barack was president, I'm surprised there was no yeah. close brush with all that because you ever take you ever take a campaign rally for with Barack down to down to America's panhandle states. Mm-hmm. It's I, I'm I'm surprised. And, and I, I really don't ever want to see something like that. In yeah. My lifetime, and that's something that's, you never, ever want to wish, you know, no. but it's just, we, I've seen the clip of Reagan when he had the assassination attempt on him from the 
good old boy Sirhan Sirhan. Yeah. These guys all these assassinators always have these like immortalized names like yeah. James Earl Ray, Lee Harvey Oswald, and then there's this dude called Sirhan Sirhan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just have these crazy names, you know. Um, so I'm doing the research on it. I'm trying to figure out the young JFK trying to figure that out what leads up to what happened in Dealey Plaza that that day in 1963 what happened during that motorcade you know the 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 ins and outs of who actually did it I, this four part series is going to be a, a testament because i know that the two times that i went out to Dealey Plaza once with uh once with the old man and once with um Jason and when we went to Dallas, you remember that trip that we went out there. How did that work out? Like, did you, you so wait, you were, you planned a trip out there. You were going to stay there for, for some days mm-hmm. and you just happened to be able to go see this or did you plan to go see so it? The, so the first trip with my dad, my dad saw to a point that we went there. Okay. So even for a long time, I've always been intrigued by everything without an answer. You know, the UFO incidents that we, the many UFO incidents that we talk about, many conspiracies that we talk about and the JFK assassination. I thought it was in my history books, the history books you and I have both read. We have been led to believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. Right. That is what we've been all told. It is. And we will get into the many details of this, but I want to lightly tell you guys it is impossible for Lee Harvey Oswald to have been the, to have been the lone gunman then and there. You know, I'm going to say it's very unlikely. Yeah. That he was because, well, there's a lot of factors. One, the multiple shots, um, two, like the way the shot w- entered, um, JFK. Um, also just the, the, you would have to have dead on accuracy with the weapon. So there, there's some, there's some yeah. good legitimate reasons why most likely it wasn't just this, just him. And then um, when you went there, though, Mark, did you get to like, like how much time did you get to spend there? Did you get to spend a lot of time there? Like, did did you go to like where the grassy knoll was, for example, or like, yeah, did they have like printed feet like the assassinator was here or anything like that? So in Dealey Plaza, they still have the they still have the building where the book depository was is at. Mm. still have it up to the sixth floor where Lee was hanging around. Is it still a book? It's still, well, I don't know if it's a book depository still, but I know it is kept to, it's kept to, uh, as it was back in 63. The beauty about that whole area is that they kept the, they kept the grassy knoll there. They've kept the, the architecture there and they still have the, the column pillar that I've taken uh, a photo next to where Abraham Zepruder actually filmed the JFK assassination, which is the only film that we have to keep looking at. One guy thought it was wise enough and thank the Lord for Abraham Zepruder for the guy filming the JFK assassination because there's nothing else. Exactly. Yeah, it is. And uh, to the fact that he even had such a camera, I mean, the, that wasn't a very common device at this time. Yes. Like the technology he had available to him to use was, you know, not common. The beauty about, the beauty about having <clears throat> beauty about having my dad around is that we didn't need to go through the museum. <laughs> that dude right. was just like, 
this happened there, blah, blah, blah. In order for this, you know, he was laying out all the details. It was funny. He started talking about it with us, and then a crowd started coming around, like, while yeah. he was talking. <laughs> and I was like, they're going to think you're a curator, bro. Right, exactly. Um, but, you know, you know, he was laying out all the details, and there is, at, in Dealey Plaza, uh, down to the, uh, where the mo- motorcade was heading down, they sh- they taped down, uh, there's an, a white X painted where the, uh, where the first shot was, uh, where the first shot was. So oh. they had that there. They have various people, you know, peddling the, the facts about the assassination and stuff like that. But, um, the first time we went there, my dad made it a point to take us before we ended up going to a couple baseball stadiums after that. But I'm still ever thankful for that. Cool, that whole yeah. area is frozen in time as yeah. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Everything that's what's that. crazy. It's frozen in time. I like how, uh, you know, um, how X-Men made a play off of it with Magneto. Like, oh, in Days know, of Futures Past. Yeah, where he's like, in the Pentagon, but it's because he had something to do with the assassination because he yeah. moved the bullet or whatever. Like, well, how'd you think a magic bullet started moving around like that? It was all Magneto. <laughs> the second time we went, we went with um, Jason, a couple guys who we went to Cowboy Stadium, and I suggested it. And I told Jay, I was like, hey, Dealey Plaza is just down here. Let's go back. And I'll, I'll show you guys that. I didn't take him to school like my dad took me to school, but I just showed him. I was like, this is all this. This is there. Um, and we just, it's it's always quiet there. Like, there's just people re, le, learning, reading. So you took David, to, David Tejeda here? Yeah, I did. To, well, I didn't take David. I, I, You know what? Matter of fact, I don't even care if he's listening. <laughs> I didn't take him. I don't know who thought he would. This guy wore a Chargers jersey to a Dallas. Co- they weren't even in the right conference. Okay, this guy okay. had the nerve to wear I don't know if the audience Chargers knows or not, but jersey. Our friend David Tejeda. Not, not my friend. <laughs> MR. Not your friend. Had this like long kind of like hate love type of relationship where, you know, David Tejeda is a very, you know, easygoing type of guy personality is kind of like he almost he almost lost our flight he's very chill right and so he always like you know he's very laid back kind of guy and he's um sometimes um i don't know sometimes there's like little things that you know might go wrong in the situation but to david to hate it's like it's okay you know just continue on you know but it was i think getting to a point where it was starting to upset mark to a degree where it was like mark just now like can't stand and things about David, David Tejeda. Um, we almost got so. our flight delayed because of him. Because he had a, he forgot his phone in the rental. And he thought it was like, oh, it'll be okay. And here we are. Here we are on standby, not knowing if we're ever going to make it home that next day. Yeah. I felt like uh, Macaulay Culkin. Oh, no. I felt like Tom Hanks in the terminal. I'm all stuck at the airport. But David Tejeda is a really chill guy, though. That's, that's, that's what's funny. What's funny about it is that you're, like, upset with this guy. But he's like... Chill is just like, you know. It's like hot he, and cold, yeah. Yeah, he didn't care that he lost his iPad at that one hotel. Like, you know, he was <laughs> yeah, like, oh, he what? Did. I lost my iPad. Oh. Yeah. He had to get it sent back to he had to yeah. get it sent back to him. I forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah. Good old San Diego. So anyways, you guys, you got to show them. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I got to I got to go there. You yeah. have to, man. I I love to I love to go there with you and, and just I I'd go again just to go to Dallas. Yeah. You know, I have uh during my trip uh, coming up in Labor Day, I actually have a layover in Dallas, but I don't have enough time to just go from the airport there and come back. Can you imagine being there like at the moment? It's so happening. the beauty about that whole beforehand about what was going on is that this is the uh, in 63. This is the first open presidential motorcade. 
and mm-hmm. and the only one now. Yeah. Um, this situation was a rare instance where JFK was in Texas. You know, who's his who's his vice president? The former governor of Texas, Lyndon B. Johnson. They have this celebration for him. You know, he's coming down Dealey Plaza before he comes down the main the main stretch of road. There's a quick, I th- there's a quick, has to be a 75 to 80 degree turn where the car has to come to like a, like a 10 mile stop. Yeah. And even that turn is like something they would never, ever allow either. Yeah. Nor by a building that's as high up um, as the um, book de- uh, depository. Like they would never allow such a thing. It's a lot of crazy circumstances that led to that. And, um, or what Just about the image being, of the yeah. the CIA agent like telling the guy to back back up yeah. away from the the car? We have a lot of we have two I believe we have two people on bikes in, in the back. We have two people on bikes in the front. And we have another vehicle in the front too. Not even counting the umbrella man. Oh yeah, that's another yeah. One. The, the guy behind the fence. Yeah, with the umbrella. Like why? There's uh, it sucks because there's just this. Jackie was looking amazing in that pink, in that pink dress. She looked beautiful. She's a beautiful first lady. And the first instance of what happens when the first shot goes off, I'm sorry to be graphic, but this guy's face is peeling off his face. John's face is completely busted open. And Jackie's first reaction is to go to the back of the to the back of the car to recover the brain fragments. JFK's face mm-hmm. and a haunting it image. It is no, and it's it's one of those things where I am still, I'm still like, I'm just getting goosebumps talking about this. It's like with Abraham Zepruder's film wasn't recorded. The whatever agenda that either the U.S. government's trying to play or whoever. It would have been immortalized that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman and no one else has answers to this. But since we have this footage, we can honestly say there's one shot that comes from the front of whatever. So imagine the motorcade heading heading down, heading down south. There's a shot that comes from that south side. So if, they, if we didn't have footage of that, we'd be stuck with the narrative of... Of it being from the backside. Yeah, and that's it. And it, it supposedly ricocheted. That's why it came from the front, supposedly. Yeah. That's what that's what the explanation is. But I, I'm glad we're diving in, into this lightly, Isaiah, just because I do want to build this up for the audience that perhaps needs... No, you know what? Forget it. They need to be educated on this because I'm not going to have... I'm not going to be an American citizen happy enough to 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 be okay with the answer of Lee Harvey Oswald did it when I've seen all this extra footage that sh- that tells me otherwise not mm-hmm. only that but you also have the audio from 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 the uh, the transcript uh, from the police uh, the police radios you have the audio from that you also have eyewitness testimony we there's so many ways you could think about it there's so many people that could have been involved me and my dad got in plenty of arguments where I, where I alluded that Lyndon B. Johnson had something to do with it. And my dad's favorite president was Lyndon B. Johnson. He got pissed. He was like, you think Lyndon B. Johnson had something to do with it? 
Mr. Do you remember when Mr. Hoover showed us that book where Lyndon B. Lyndon B. Johnson? He had a book that literally said why Lyndon B. Johnson killed JFK. No, I didn't. I don't remember that. Mr. Hoover, our U.S. history teacher, has this source, and he had this source that basically vouched for this allegation that Lyndon B. Johnson had something to do with the assassination of JFK. Mm. That is insane. There's a lot of home court advantage stuff that Lyndon B. Johnson had within uh, the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, there's this fun fact that autopsies uh, have to be conducted within the state of Texas. And this is the only autopsy in, in uh, Texas history that wasn't conducted there. So this is some high-level black tape. We have to take his body out of here and conduct the autopsy ourselves kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to let the president have an autopsy amongst the laws of the land of Texas for some reason. There's a lot of facts with that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it. I love this part of American history because it, it leads up to the Apollo missions and it leads up to um, a little a little bit into the Cold War. We're still into it a little bit. Um, just this is the area of this is the era of. Kids, you may have to start ducking under your table because some nukes may go off. Russia's not happy. The Cubans aren't happy. Uh, we're going to be heading in. This is the planting the seeds for Vietnam. You know, this is just one of those eras where it was just... Secret societies that are involved. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of different factors what, in the story. Um, in a generalized scope, what have you... What have you came across of what you've uh, learned? I mean, has the just has the it, deep end grazed upon that? Well, no, um, but I have. I mean, just from interest on it, and then I think, I think you, you know, like you said, you've talked about it before too, um, and we've I think had this in common where we're both very interested in it. But uh, what I've come across is just um, in general is that a couple of different things, you know, having to do with you know, Cuba and then also having to do with the cold war in play. Um, and there was, you know, him wanting to kind of end the secrecy and that having to, another, to be another factor to do with it. Um, and a lot of like the things we were just talking about, a lot of these coincidences, a lot of all, all adding up to me doesn't, doesn't uh, smell right. You know, yeah. it smells fishy because you can't have that many things just go wrong. That's a lot of things that have to go wrong. Um, a lot of procedures that they just kind of disregarded, didn't care about for what reason, you know, I feel like the same with you. I feel like it's a very high level kind of thing. Um, it led me to even, it led me even tying this to nine 11 even because, um, because of the connections and the people that were connected to this scenario also connected to nine 11. Um, so, yeah, and then it goes dark. I mean, secret society kind of thing. That that goes dark, and all those connections too. So yeah, dude, it's nope. a, George even George Bush Senior at the time was the head of the CIA yes. during all this. Supposedly he says he wasn't there, but there's proof that he was there. So you know, <laughs> I like how you lying? dropped that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then there's documentation of him going to. Um, the head of the FBI, I forgot his name right now. Oh, Edgar Hoover? Hoover? Yeah, Hoover. Yeah. He wants to, he goes to Hoover and he tells Hoover, like, um, what do you think happened or something like that? And so Hoover, he just stops himself and he starts documenting all of it. Like, 
documenting his answer. Him, he documents. Um, and keep in mind, Bush. the FBI and the CIA are two separate entities. Oh, yes. They never, they don't like colluding. They don't. I mean, even this goes to 9-11. They didn't like working together, and that's kind of why we had this big old mess. But, um, but yeah, he uh, he goes, he doesn't even answer the question like directly verbally. He, he just kind of stops and goes, let me just, I'm going to document all of this right, right now. <laughs> so he puts it all in like writing. Yeah. And, and uh, I thought that was huge evidence of, you know, Bush being um, kind of like a bully and trying to say like, what are you trying to make Hoover give his answer? So that way Bush knew whose side Hoover was on, you know, or so what Hoover would he, be next. he knew because Hoover would be like, or Bush would be like, well, you just saw the president die. What are you going to say, Hoover? Because you'll be next. You know, no. it was kind of like this unspoken, like, no. threat, you know. There's too many layers to, like, there's too many layers to when you know something and you're asking somebody else what they know. And you, yeah. your line of questioning has to be so subtle. Otherwise, they figure you out and they know, oh, this guy's trying to figure, this guy's trying to get an answer out of me. Yeah. Because what does he know? And, uh, Dude, you know, and then you, you have that unmounting this, this big pillar of un- the unknown because you yeah. have to deal with like, what does he know? And then and the, the person also, that's asking you becomes taller and taller yeah, and like, right. what the heck is And because going on? also too, the CIA was being investigated by the FBI. The FBI had multiple investigations and Oswald was connected to the FBI as a double agent. Um, so that is also another like crazy thing because... You know, that that's kind of an insult to Hoover's face, throwing Oswald as a patsy after uh, Oswald was supposed to be the double agent, supposed to spy on the CIA. And the CIA goes, whoa, you're going to use this guy to spy on us? Let's use him as a patsy then. And like, it's kind of like and, a crazy sort of spy war, you know. It's And do you remember the first line that Lee Harvey Oswald says to the media? Uh-uh. Oh, it wasn't oh. me or something? Is that it or no? He says something to the effect of, but I know the last line for sure. I don't know anything. I'm just a patsy. And how convenient that Jack Ruby, you know, this local, this local businessman. Right. Yeah. Ends up going up to Lee Harvey Oswald and shooting him. Trying to finish the job. And shoots him and ends up killing Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Supposedly what really went down here is the CIA... This is all hearsay. This is connecting dots that aren't proven. Yeah. But the CIA worked with mafia to get this hit done, you know, to so the CIA could keep their hands clean, you know, putting this job on the mafia and the mafia can, you know, execute yeah. you know, without any consequence. You know what the beauty about this whole thing on Come Sit With Us is that I have no notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that I have no notes. Yeah. I have nothing written down. This yeah. is just you and me. Yeah. Going off of what we know about this whole thing, but yeah. I want to let the audience know, um, and also again, I want to thank you guys for sitting with us. That imagine what we're going to provide for you guys once we once we do all the research and once we get this whole thing figured out. Because I've seen one, I've seen so many documentaries about this JFK thing. I have to brush up on it. There's even this one BBC documentary. Where the narration, it cracks me up. Well, who's to say that JFK wasn't killed from underground? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, they have him in the, so they have the this sewer. There's this, there's this one spot where the first shot could have been done from that sewer gutter down at Dealey Plaza. But can you, can you, can you, 
humor me with this. Pennywise just again. Classic BBC. Yeah. Now, who's to say right, I know. John hey. F. Kennedy wasn't assassinated from underground? Hey, hey, I give him credit. It works to their benefit, man. <laughs> There's an um, accent to it. Uh, I, I'm excited to do it. it it's going to take time. There's going to be a couple episodes of Come Sit With Us that's going to lead up to it, but I'm getting the research done on my end. I'm still reading the book that I have to... Uh, that I have to read on this uh, on early JFK, and then I'm going to go into the 9/11 Commission report sized documentary about the uh, JFK assassination, and then still do more research on that. So it's yeah, I'm I'm just excited. I'm just excited to share this news. This is something that is going to make the uh, the various other episodes that we've done just not saying it's just going to be very, very important because I take it very seriously when I do this kind of research and I don't like getting things incorrect, especially when it comes to enlightening and educating. It's, 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 it's our duty. This kind of plays into my early, my early, uh, Junior college years where I've strived to be a, a president, a president. Oh, Jesus. Oh, damn. A president. No, no, you didn't hear that. I'm, I'm <laughs> running for president, guys. No. Oh, yeah, right. When I wanted to be a history teacher, I wanted to for a long time. I was influenced by my the history teachers that president I President sounded better, by the way. No, definitely not. I am. <laughs> Political mark up. Up the, the people. A, a vote people. for Mark Flores is a vote for freedom. <laughs> Got all the unions to work with you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If I get the unions to back me, I'll be in. <laughs> I just want to make sure I say decade as how JFK said it. Right. Decade. Right. Decade. The next decade. <laughs> decade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to be a US, U.S. history teacher, European history teacher. I wanted to be a teacher, you know, like I just. that you was to, So you wanted to be Mr. Hoover. I wanted to be cooler than he was. <laughs> So you wanted to be Mr. Yendel or Mr. Yendel, Mr. Fitz, Mr. Fitzsimmons. You, remember, you didn't have Mr. Fitzsimmons. I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was a cool teacher. He yeah. was, he's one of the very few teachers that made learning fun. Yeah. And very few of those. Yeah. Very few of those. Most of, uh, most of them, uh, got to read a paper. Some, yeah, they got, they got, you know what? A lot of teachers need to watch the dead poet society and, and literally build off of Robin Williams and get invested into the class. If, if, if teachers That's thought classic, of, Robin Williams. if, oh yeah, it was his anniversary of his passing a couple of days ago. It was I about that. Oh man. I learned something about him too. I wanted to do a deep end episode on it, but I'm not to wait because I got something already lined up. So, yeah. but it's, it's pretty good. I, I look forward to listening to that. Yeah. I don't know. I think teachers these days have to think about teaching as more theater Mm-hmm. Than, than just like okay, class. Today we're gonna no class. You guys are in for a treat today. Yeah. Today we're gonna be learning about you know make it exciting. I don't know. Oh yeah, I love that, dude. I love when teachers are like that. I mean, it makes learning fun. It just it just it allows you to engage better and just keeps your attention. I can name five. Let I can name on one hand how many like teachers were like that during my. Oh really? Wow, you're good, dude. I can't. I can't think. Very I know few. Some, it's just a, it's just to symbolize very few. Yeah, you know, we we didn't have that many. Yeah, so I think big, te- uh, Mr. big Doty testament was to the Rialto Unified School District. There, for me, Mr. Doty was one of them. Uh, yeah, Doty was. I, I could actually cool. talk about what we were talking about, what we were learning. We went through Revelations, Macbeth, like you know the, that I can actually remember. Mm, other teachers, it's kind of harder. Like I don't really remember out of Mr. Hoover's what we really. Yeah, covered. I just remember 
the fun, the yeah, fun things. That, that was when we were messing around. That was the class where we were just like, you know, cracking wisecrack. <laughs> I remember he remember he gave us a cheat sheet to use for the final. Remember that? I think he gave us like a. Did he? Oh, I don't. Oh, remember. you know what? No, it wasn't. Yeah, because I remember he. I think was, he allowed us to use the book, maybe. I don't remember, dude. I think I he gave remember. us one cheat sheet, but what I ended up doing was that I recorded myself, like, reading off the answers mm. of the various things that he was going to go over. I recorded it and put it on my iPod Damn. and just listened to it when I was doing the test. Dude, I was going to say, imagine nowadays how easy it must be to, like, really cheat. They're, they're up on that. Yeah, dude. They, they got some tips now. I, um, I want to segue over to this uh the event i did this sat these last two saturdays uh as many of you guys know uh i am the co-owner of el notorious pin on instagram but the official business called the notorious pin we specialize in enamel pins and apparel and vintage sports pins as well we recently had had the event over in santa Ana called the patches and pin expo and the patches and pins expo went with went off without a hitch we had it safe sanitized and controlled and man people came out in people came out in droves within capacity we have two hour time slots where a certain amount of people can come in and check all the stuff and then head out not where usually in santa Ana, we have over five thousand people coming at any given time and it is just insanity yeah like we're talking the permits Per, everything's permitted and closed off. There's just road closed signs. Like they are just, it's it's popping during that time. But this was more controlled. I am also thankful that I was indoors in air conditioning <laughs> with air conditioning. I was and, just going to ask you that, dude. How did you take oh, the heat? I it's am a hot super weekend, thankful that I was able to get a spot indoors because I can't, these last couple days were just brutal. Like insane. Like yeah. I saw outside, I saw two polar bears fighting over ice cold Coke. Right. You know, it's, it's hot out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those polar bears are always so cute in the wintertime fighting over a Coke. And all cuddly, just yeah. rolling around. Yeah. But now <laughs> you get my ice cold Coke out here, the, out here in Rialto, man, it's a different story. Dude, picture a bear that could like swim really well. Like, yeah, polar bears crazy. are majestic and they make ices. Right. Yeah. And they make <laughs> it's just their crap. <laughs> All we do with the icing machines is uh, we just take the urine of the polar bear and just dye it to. <laughs> Here's one of our polar bear icing factories. Here's how the magic happens, guys. <laughs> Over here, we have a thousand polar bears urinating in constant. <laughs> it's all a Willy Wonka factory. He's all, let me show you around, kids. And just I see, I see, Papa D. Boo. <laughs> Can't you see what the polar bears do? Dookie, 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 for me. Don't you want one, ma? There's, oh my gosh. The event was uh, extremely, extremely contained. Um, uh, and we, we took care of business, man. I yeah. love, I love. I love that. When you take vending, care of business. You know? It was exactly like that. It was exactly like yeah. that for a while, and everything went everything went very seamlessly. Like you still take cash, you have to take cash still, or do you use? Of course, most uh, yeah, of course. Most of the, most of the transactions for people were card. That's fine yeah. with me. Luckily, I have the um, uh, I have a a PayPal system where they can just tap the card, mm-hmm. 
So we have the wireless system there. You take Bitcoin? Yeah. What are they going to buy? $10,000 worth of my merch? It's one Bitcoin. Thank you. I um, Let me ask you something, Isaiah, since we're talking about yeah. this. And, and again, this show, episode 13, this is literally called Off the Cuff. Oh, okay. We, we aren't. There's no show notes for this one. I feel that we can just go back and forth and still provide a great show for these uh for the for the listeners here. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that this pandemic has forced us to start using cashless transactions? Is that do you believe that that's what the government is going for is cashless transactions now? Because all of a sudden like we mentioned on on on, on come sit with us no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do not scare me like that ever. Like, like you couldn't answer Isaiah when I was talking to him about this right now, proposing the question. He had the whole like, uh, 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 like slice in the neck. Like, whoa, was he held the secrecy here? Like, cut it, cut it, cut. <laughs> oh my, that that was intense right there. That was an intense moment here on Come Sit with Us. Um, I, I, I don't believe that there's a coin shortage. I don't think. I really think that the U.S. government's trying to make us go cashless. Do you think? I mean, I think I think it's it's. I think it's kind of obvious that eventually it's going to come, eventually. Whether it's ten years from now, sixty years, hundred years, whatever, it got to go that way because it just makes sense. Like right now, it makes sense just the same way as virtual reality did a long time ago but now we're we have the technology that makes it a lot more better yeah it just it makes sense and then especially with the rise of bitcoin for example um and i know it's in the stock market it's it's been shooting up recently um and with cash now being deemed as you know a vulnerability with viruses um it just makes that much more of a case for a cashless society um not even including the fact that our dollar bill, you know, in itself is at risk because of our market and stuff like that. And the value, you know, usually we tie the dollar bill to oil and stuff. And, you know, even that's at question or at risk right now with OPEC, you know, determining whether or not they want to still keep it on the dollar. So um, if we're not holding the dollar to a standard such as gold or oil, then we're in trouble because, you know, that's kind of right now what what's keeping us afloat. And if that goes, you know, where else can we really go, you know? And I think right now what's more unique is that it's not just our market that's in trouble, but the global economy, it's a unique situation that we haven't seen ourselves in in at least the past century, probably ever. But, uh, dude, it's it's right there on our fingertips. Like, I, I do not see that as unlikely of a situation. I think that is pretty much the direction it is going, uh, especially with the identity thing. There's a something Bill Gates is working on uh, called, um, what was it? Something identity where it's like a digital identity marker of who oh, you yeah. are or something like that. You know, that's in the works. The real ID thing. Yeah. That we go. can't, we have to have a real ID by the end of what? 2021. Something like that. Or yeah. else we can't travel. We can't travel state to state with plane. Okay, yeah. So that exactly, Mark's right. So you, you're talking about a real ID thing. First of all, that we got to have. Now, 
what Bill Gates is working on is like an actual digital identifier of who you are. And it's, it's going to really reshape everything. Yeah. Cause then everyone's going to need smartphones or, yeah. or whatever totem that they, cause what, right implant? now the problem is, you know, you have people that are poor or don't have documentation. So it's kind of hard to identify these kind of people. That's why we have problems at the border. Cause we can't identify people. Blah, blah, blah. So that's obviously a problem that, people like Bill Gates is trying to solve. So once you solve that problem, we now have set the platform for, well, uh, makes sense for us to do digital currency. Why don't we just do digital currency? I mean that on top of it, you have like, you know, different religions that predict this kind of thing that the end of the world will eventually be a one world type of system that, you know, you can't, you know, buy or sell without this thing in the Bible terms, it's called the mark of the beast in, I don't know, other religions, it's probably something else, but in that sense, it's some sort of prediction that ultimately it's going to come into tuition, like into fruition. Um, so I don't know how to feel about it though. Like, should we feel concerned about that? I don't know. Yeah. That's saying that they would, they could what, like turn you off at any moment or something. I don't know. Well, I'm not turned on about it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> This whole situation's <laughs> turning me off about about my 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 money being yeah. quantified by a system that I have no control over. Like if hard 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 cash is something I have control over. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But the digital currency that I have in my various apps and all that, I have little control to that. But I have it backed by the, you know, encryption, by the uh, FDIC, you know, up to what the FDIC insures your money up to like a hundred thousand dollars, and if you store it in banks and all that. Have you tried pulling out any cash out of bank lately? Uh huh. They they do uh, the bank that I do uh, business with. They do. They still let me withdraw cash. Which bank do you use? I use uh, Chase. Chase, okay. Because yeah. my my uh, my brother and my mom were saying that they were trying to pull out cash. I think from Bank of America, and they weren't able to pull out cash. Yeah. We can give you a digital chip. All the money. <laughs> so like, also, oh, Bank of America to go gift to, card. They had to go to the the supermarket to actually get cash back. That's the way they got cash. They couldn't pull out cash at really? Bank of America. Yeah. I'm so, thinking. This whole thing worries me, man. Like I lock it. I think this pandemic and whatever, call me call me the conspiracy theories, call me whatever. But with the the survival rate that we have in culmination with the restrictions that we've been implemented, mm-hmm. they are we are we are pawns in this chess game and the US government has the rook, the knight. King, the queen, and we're down to two pawns and a two pawns and and our and our queen. Yeah, doing that's the it. tootsie slide. That uh, that's what I, that's what I'm thinking because here, oh, we, okay, no more cash. Okay, great. Well, oh, so I have to. Oh, I can't really go out and have fun anymore. Yeah. Um, well, definitely. Uh, I think uh, who was it? Snowden that said that right now is an architect for oppression. It's the archetype for that. Like they're, they're right now oh, they they're have, building, they're building the, yeah, the structure yeah. for it. Or if they're not, they at least have the data for that archetype for somebody who comes along who will use that to that, you know, benefit to do that. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying like where the, the, 
they're actually laying down the blueprint of, okay, so now yeah. I know what to do yeah. because I've seen people abide by so, such and such protocols. Right. I get it. I know that our, that our very handsome governor, Gavin Newsom, is trying to do all the best he can, but it's like, man, dude, like, <laughs> you are really... He really kind of reminds me of Mitt Romney style. a little bit. He almost has that same kind of. When do. there's gonna be, there's gonna be Oliver Stone's gonna do a uh, a, a Gavin Newsom movie and, and Bradley Cooper's gonna play him. Yeah, <laughs> Bradley Cooper. <laughs> he could play that guy. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> why would Bradley Cooper need to play I, Newsom? I feel Just... like I'm getting my hand forced in this type of situation where if I went all in in my small business, yeah, I'd be screwed. Yeah. I I, I, have, I haven't had an event to go to in like six months yeah. to make, if I didn't have the job that I have, I would have been screwed. Like this isn't this type of situation. Isn't beneficial for small businesses for the various businesses that still can open gyms, yeah. nail salons. If they can't work outside restaurant, big chain restaurants, like we mentioned before, big chain restaurants, Big chain franchises of any sort are able to thrive because they can make adjustments, take a loss in one quarter, and still make more money because guess who is able to accept more customers right now just by volume of people within capacity? Yeah. It's these big chains and franchises. Yeah. And and, and look and look who's thriving right now. Uh, Amazon's thriving because oh, yeah. of who's getting Tesla? all the packages delivered. How is Tesla th- thriving? Tesla's thriving though. Oh yeah, they're up. Uh, I believe from the last time I checked, they're up seven hundred per share. They're they're thinking about splitting that stock. Mm-hmm. This became Market Watch. Market Watch with Isaiah Mark Flores. <laughs> They've uh, they're thinking about splitting the stock up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's it's thriving. Um, Facebook, social media networks. Yeah, all of that. Driving. They're making way um, more money than they have now because everyone is at home, mm-hmm. on their phones, on the internet, buying stuff from the internet because, of, hey, I don't want to go outside. Charmin's thriving. Char- Charmin? <laughs> Puffs? <laughs> Clint Clorox? Out of all people, that'd be Johnson and Johnson? Yeah, just like, we're making it rain yeah. right now. There's, yeah. um, I, I feel like our hand's being forced in this, and I feel that, yeah. that the, the lower to middle class... Has been caught in a situation where it's like, okay, well, I guess we have to have Amazon Prime because all these packages I'm having shipped, right? It doesn't, it's not beneficial for me to pay for shipping all this. And the thing that sucks too is that we're getting hit from all angles. Like, you know, uh, not only is it the the market or economy, but also in the fact that we're going through a lot of this like tension, this political tension, this racial tension. Um, where there's some certain groups or factions of groups that are within um, these, you know, these cities that want to redo America kind of, or, um, you know, a lot of people, our age group feel like America has failed. The American experience uh, experiment has failed and thus want to like redo it, you know? So there's also the threat of just um, the unraveling basically of, um, you know, our civil society itself, you know, which is another aspect to all of this, you know, just kind of adds to already, you know, we got the aluminum election, we have the pandemic, there's already all these different stressors, you know, to it, but we also have that just to add to the mix. I, I still can't believe we're, we're in the middle of all this, where it is being frowned upon where I can't 
do various things. Like I, I, if, if I'm on social media doing what I do, there's this, there's this, this inkling feeling that I get that I might get shunned by people. Oh, oh yeah. You're doing this event here. Oh like, yeah. Oh, well we're doing it by the protocol. Like, uh, yeah, I feel like Karen's dude, or <laughs> when I, when I did this, Karens? when I did my event, I felt no guilt because yeah. I was like, okay, we're sanitizing after every transaction. We're offering sanitizer to every customer. I'm doing the tapping on the, you don't even give me your card. You have the plexiglass. Like, like I have, yes. And I do have the plexiglass between the booth. Oh, you really do? I, I actually have the, the four boards <laughs> first pushed to the front. Yeah. And then I have that. The, the plastic visor over my over the booth where I'm doing most of the transactions. So I'm more than ways away from all the customers. The only mm-hmm. time I would get it close would just be like looking to see what specific product that they wanted, what specific pin that they wanted. Mm-hmm. That's it. So going back to this event, it's like having the in-person experience, I was just like getting into the motion of doing these events. I was just like, I was doing these rookie mistakes. I was like, okay, what do I need to bring? I haven't done this in six months. Oh my gosh. I am. I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, but it was, it, I felt out of place at a certain point. I was just like, no, like I'm like, I have to have this normal normalcy again. And I'm not going to be held to the crutch of like, Oh, you might get got because of COVID-19 It's like, well, look, based on the odds of me getting it based on the odds of all this, I have I have better odds getting into a car accident. I'm I've do I do that every day when I drive. So I'm able to take that mentality and just be like, you know what? Have my arms stretched out, bring it on. Cuz I'm trying to, I have to do what I must. I'm already an essential employee still working. I'm already working amongst other coworkers within within the same building. So what more, like, what more can I do? Well, you know, I think they probably reach out to you because they care about you. I mean, that's obvious, but I think that their intention is probably well when they do say something to you. Um, but at the same time, I know it's kind of like annoying to you at the same time. Cause it's like, man, like worry about yourself. Like for a second here, I know, I understand what's going on. I know there's a pandemic obviously, and um, at the same time, you already are doing what you need to do for those precautions. So, you know, kudos for you doing that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, at the same at the same time too, though, it's like you understand, you know, why they have this kind of hysteria a little bit because it's been pumped into our minds, you know, over this last almost this whole year, almost yeah. since March, you know, about you know oh, four months away spread. to twenty twenty one. Yeah, you know, so. So, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do, man? Just, you have to just continue taking the, um, the precautions you take, you know? Yeah. And I ain't taking no L's. How about that? Okay. You sound like my cousin <laughs> Carlos now. <laughs> I want you to listen to my problems, Isaiah, and everyone sitting with us. Yeah. The, um, I wanted to have another segment, something lighthearted amongst all that, but Yeah. Going back to what we had initially, the Patches and Pin Expo went really well. I want to encourage you guys to uh, check out, if you guys like pins and apparel, check out uh, check us out on Instagram at lnotoriouspin or thenotoriouspin.com. Feel free to check that out and see if you guys find something you like. 
Isaiah, I wanted to make sure that people knew about your podcast too, because you do a podcast called The Deep End. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, so I'm working right now on, a, on another Deep End episode. What we do is we would talk about um, some things that are going on in today's world, and we try to take a deeper dive into that and try to uncover some things that maybe we might not know um, that are new to us. But uh, you can check it out on thedeependpod.com. Um, there has all of our various platforms. Or if you want to follow me on social media, those links are there. Check that out. And uh, you can search The Deep End anywhere that you find. Come sit with us. Excellent. Sounds good. I wanted to talk about the movies that you and I both enjoy. Now, I enjoy the occasional movie here and there. Uh, We've watched a couple movies here and there as well. You've slept through. Uh, the Green Lantern, twenty I think it was twenty eleven Green, Green Lantern. Do you remember that? Oh, that movie was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> we were so excited to watch a superhero movie because this is um, around the time in twenty I believe twenty ten was Green Lantern came out, and this is where Marvel was barely like you know yeah. start you yeah, know the the starting was. gun hit off and Iron Man came and Thor and and we were like okay let's see what DC got yeah. Man, we watched Green Lantern, and oh man, they that CGI was just yeah. The only Ryan Reynolds DC, did as much as he could, but it was just geez. the only thing DC got for going for it is the the whole woman movement with uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman stuff like that. They gotta they gotta just focus in on. They that screwed one. it up by having one of the best looking Superman, and just never did anything with them. Yeah. Like Man of Steel was great, right? And then Batman versus Superman, which is essentially the successor to that sequel garbage like having doomsday as a villain that gets thwarted within three quarters of that movie i mean sorry that gets thwarted within the quarter of that last third act yeah doomsday is a two-part villain yeah in any regard doomsday it should have been as wax as superman that's how dope he is right and they just were like oh here he is doomsday is actually uh actually uh zod with stuck and stuck enough with enough krypton uh, uh kryptonite to just like become a super beast that's ridiculous made by um lex luther right i think lex luther made made doomsday right yeah get out of here man doomsday if you guys read the com the dc comic about doomsday it leads up to the death of superman could have been two parts they screwed it up i'm just i'm through talking about it um, so, so Green Lantern, <laughs> so we're about a halfway into this movie and I'm watching it and I'm like, man, I got to stick through this. I got to muscle through this movie. And all of a sudden I, I just hear, and Isaiah's just slumped over. Like just, <laughs> I think he ended up taking like a couple of the, uh, a couple of the armrests out and just laid out. <laughs> just slept through the movie. I had no shame in my game. Oh man. my gosh! Like, and, you know and the lines, the how lines. How much money movie? did we pay for that too? We paid some money for that, but I was just like, no. They I, had some like I cheesy lines in it too, because I guess Hal Jordan goes up to the the oh, Grand yeah. Tribunal and yeah. he's all like, oh, he's all the Grand Tribunal's never been questioned in a thousand years. Well, I'm asking it now. <laughs> Get out of here! Like, Greenland <laughs> like, was um, whack. Um, but. Going back to it, we've seen a, a bunch of good movies in person. We've seen um, movies in our time that are just. I am thankful we are watching 
incredible cinema done by incredible directors. You know, Danny Villeneuve with Arrival, Blade Runner 20, uh, 2049. We have... Still haven't seen Blade Runner, by the way, so I got to still see The old that. one or the new one? Both. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah you got you, you to gotta get that slack out of your Mac. Yeah. It's really good. You'll like it. You'll like the... Watch the director's cut of Blade Runner. Is there uh, is there not a lot of... Because um, I think I started watching the beginning of it, but there wasn't too much talking, right? There's not a lot of talking so in the beginning. So, in the original Blade Runner? Yeah. Okay, well, so... Well, the original Blade Runner, I saw the ending. So, I know the ending. Right. But I, I never watched it all the way through. Okay. So, in the original Blade Runner, there's Ridley Scott has three different cuts. There's the director's cut, the definitive cut, and then the theatrical cut. Was it Zelda? I, I know, right? <laughs> there's all these timelines. There's... um. In the original theatrical version, they have Harrison Ford narrating as if he's like, because um, he's an invest. He's a he's the one that's supposed to be taking care of these replicants that go astray. He's supposed to kill them and take care of them. But the narration is in that in the the theatrical theatrical cut, and you okay. uh, you don't really need that. Like it okay. just sounds. Which cuts on the Netflix? That cut should be the the one without the narration. Okay, that is the. The final cut. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So okay. watch the final cut because that's what really Scott intended, like, for you to watch. Okay, gotcha. Blade Runner is essentially, uh, essentially a, a detect like a noir detective movie where you know, uh, uh, Agent Deckard it's supposed is uh, supposed to find uh, a replicant that is gone has gone astray and a few others as well, mm. and it. And in the Blade Runner timeline, it's always been, well, the two movies that they've had so far, the main issue is what is life? What constitutes a life? Dang. A replicant. A replicant. Yeah, dude. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful (laughs) like that. Yeah, that's good. And the best part about what Ridley Scott does in Blade Runner is that Ridley Scott has this incredible ability to where he will always film a future that never comes. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So, to do. allow me to paint a picture for you guys. So, Blade Runner, the first one was uh, filmed. Uh, it's supposed to be L.A. in 2019. Well, obviously, this Blade Runner isn't. You know, it's not 2019 right. in Blade Runner world right. right now. But he gives you this future that no matter when you see it whether it's today in 2020 or whether it is in 2020 you know 2040 it's going to be a future that never comes so it's always going to be futuristic he did the same thing with alien 1979's alien where he films the interior part of the ship and the ex- you know in certain parts of exterior of an exterior of the ship but it's like man we don't have any type of technology like that. Yeah. And he filmed that in 79. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. really Scott has this beautiful ability to just give you a future that never comes. Because if you watch, um, if you watch a, mu- a movie that is done in the future, wouldn't you not want it to be still futuristic no matter when you see it like you don't want it to have, to be that dated where it's like oh, oh we've yeah. been had that i mean how does it work with back to the future because back to the future just takes place in the future although its future doesn't really seem too futuristic compared i mean it's still futuristic yeah no? you have the hovering cars you have the hoverboards and stuff like that that's the good stuff car, yeah you know so now, the robert zemeckis like definitely we, did we it. tried to do that we try to create our own version of a hoverboard i love that you know 
uh, it was, I guess it, it, we caught up to it when the, with the TV thing with the streaming and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. And the FaceTiming. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of stuff, you know, that actually, um, came and went with, uh, with, uh, the future of 2015 that they did in back to the future. The air mags were there. They, they did, they were ahead of the game too, where they had like a crushed palette of laser discs. Yeah. So those did go by the wayside. They're smart on that. They didn't have the uh, pizza rehydrator. Remember, you put the little <laughs> cylinder of pizza and it comes out a full pie. That's stupid. They, um, the fax machine, the, they had a fax machine where it says you're fired, where M- Marty's dad gets fired. Uh-huh. Uh, because, uh, oh, no, no, where, where uh, old Marty gets fired by uh, Mr. Tanaka. Mm. So via FaceTime. So there's a lot of good takeaways from that. Yeah. But still, Robert Zemeckis did give you a future that will never come. Mm-hmm. Or so, the the 3D the 3D movie thing too. Oh yeah, Jaws ni- Jaws nineteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws uh, nineteen. They definitely did that. So if you ever watch a movie that has bad futuristic, you know what? That's something though. I'm gonna predict. Sometime there should be another, a continuum of the Jaws series. That should happen. I don't know why it's not. Another Jaws movie? Yeah, dude, that would make some money right there. Like Jaws. A nowadays, like a Jaws movie. Oh, so you want to reboot Jaws? Like not to redo a Jaws necessarily, but to continue it, you know? Spielberg like as a franchise. Spielberg didn't Spielberg did not do another Jaws. I forgot he just directed the first one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I literally Sorry, guys, just we have want like a, we have like a whole studio here, like Yeah, who's is this is this in here? <laughs> They're singing happy birthday. I can't even control that. But yeah. Whose birthday is it? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm going to leave the studio and I'm going to pass through her birthday right now? Or basically. Oh, wow. Anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. So yeah, Spielberg Spielberg didn't uh, direct any of the Jaws. And, it, and it's unfortunate yeah. because he could go back and still. I think he has one more Jaws left in him. Dude, yeah. And man, that would. Can you imagine? Like if he could do another continuum of jaws like right now today well right now it kind of sucks with the pandemic but i'm saying like knowing how we are as a fan base like just because we know the name yeah that's already a seller right there and uh, that that deserves to be a franchise dude i think jaws can, deserves to continue on yeah but i am um, i'm a huge fan of the action action sci-fi you give me a good action sci-fi i'm there all day yeah yeah me too um you know, goes with uh, the Alien movies, uh, even Prometheus. I also, T2, we can talk about T2 all day. There's just stuff like that where action and sci-fi, like, oh, man, that is like a marriage yeah. made in heaven. Because you like, have like nerdy tech, Yeah. plus you have just... See, I'm close to yours, but except I like drama sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So I like the, the tenseness drama and like a just a surreal twist to it. That almost could be real, um, like contact. Yeah, contact sort of like that. Good. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but Deep I mean, impact. but then again, you have Star Wars. Like I'm a fan of Star Wars, so I like action, you know, sci-fi stuff too. Or you know, or the newer Star Treks. Like that's another. Yeah, the new Star fan. Treks are amazing. Yeah, so I'm kind of almost in the same boat. I've been watching a lot of the classics though. Like I've been going on my phone and, and putting in like what's the top like absolute. 100 top best movies of all time, like hands down. Yeah, I saw that you ended up watching Citizen Kane. Yeah, Does dude. that is it good? Is it that good? Bro, we have to watch that together, bro. And 
I guarantee you that is etched in my head now and I cannot get that movie. I understand why it is like up there as far as the top echelon of movies. Yeah. I definitely get it. Yeah. Just from not only the story, but the, the, uh, the filmography of it, like Mm. it's a masterpiece for sure. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was done by somebody who was young. Like he was in his early twenties Mm. And it was his so-called masterpiece that he was that. Up. Was that a uh, Cecil B. DeMille Dude, that made it? I can look it up. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. Yeah. That and also uh, Casablanca. Yeah. Like, Casablanca is definitely good. It's hard at first to kind of watch cause it's, it's older it's black and white. But if you put your effort to like sit there and actually give it its attention. Oh dude. Halfway. Once it gets into the, the love nesting triangle, uh, it it's, it keeps you all the way from that on. Um, also the lines also, that he says are very memorable in, in the top 10, you do, you had vertigo too. You still have to watch. I still have yeah. to watch Alfred Hitchcock's vertigo. Oh yeah. That's one of them. I still got to watch yeah. too. Cause it's always vertigo. Uh, it's always vertigo, Casablanca and citizen Kane. that are always like interchanging between, between the, uh, the top three. Orson Welles was the director of Orson Welles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he's the one that narrated, um, He's the one that narrated uh, War of the Worlds, the radio broadcast. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He also did the voice of uh, Unicron in oh, the bro. 80... F- yeah, well, dude, how you, were you a freaking encyclopedia? Or what? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> You're all opening your, like, different chapters, like, page... Uh... Yeah. yeah. He did the voice of Unicron, man. <laughs> the bookmaster or what? I'm <laughs> the page master. Page master. <laughs> I can't wait to head out to this uh, this party right now. You going to have cake and ice cream? Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. No, no. What's going on? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna beeline out of here <laughs> as yeah. soon as that happens. Let me ask you this: while we're talking about this, is like, what to you? What is a what is a fantastic takeaway for you when it comes to the cinematic experience? Um. Okay, so I would say first, the the film. Uh, the filmography of it, like, you know, cinematography. cinematography yeah. Thank you. Th- from, you know, the, them testing the waters and doing new angles, different stuff like that. You know, I think this is why, um, people like Quentin Tarantino have caught my, you know, attention and why he's probably so success- successful because he's definitely has his own version. He's made his own category, his own lane, you know, with the way he does his movies. And it's, um, there's something about that, that, that when I see a director, who's either new in the game or who's been doing it, who does this in a movie. Like that's how I know I'm about to watch a good, good ass movie. Like right, right away. If they start with the scene, that's like, like let's say dark Knight, the first scene. I'm yeah. like, I'm locked in the first yeah. 15 minutes of Inglorious right. bastards. Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm locked in. Like I, I love when and I that's get a, Tarantino too. That's yeah. Funny, yeah. I love when I get a great beginning and that's, that leaves you like on a little, like, like, oh, damn, like now we're about to get into something. That's always great to me. Um, but the other thing is the music that, yeah. that's in it. That that also is going to be something that I'm going to leave with. Uh, I think music definitely makes an impact in general. But when you have it in a movie, it always kind of links you back to that movie. Um, uh, quotables, you know, having good quotes that you can take away and repeat. Yeah. I mean, that's where Judgment Day comes in, right? Judgment yeah. Day. Like you can, you can quote Arnold Schwarzenegger for days. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that there's like this 10 minute YouTube clip of just like 
500 <laughs> Arnold quotes. And there's like, yeah. in, in like 20 films, he says bullshit. <laughs> bullshit, 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 bullshit. Uh, uh, or, or what was the one? Um, there was this one that in T2 that, I don't know. I saw T2 at the 25th anniversary in the theaters yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that was... I forget. I think it was like 20, 2019 when I saw it or something, the 25th anniversary. And um, Arnold, it's the scene where the T-1000's thwarted and all the Cyberdyne materials in the molten lava and Arnold's like, there's still one left. And then he points to his temple and, and so John epic. realizes he has to sink uh, he has to put Arnold down. He has to put T- the T-800 down in the molten lava. And John Connor's welling up. He's sad. Like, this guy is like this new father figure to him. He thought he was going to be yeah, that's side what's by side. Like sad, too. And yeah. John's like, I order you not to. I order you not to do this. And then, like, the T-800 looks at him and then, like, lifts up his arm with the leather glove. He's like, I know not why you cry. <laughs> so the T eight hundred finally harnessed emotion. Oh my god! <laughs> I know not oh why you cry. Oh my god! And classic. And, oh dude. man, dude! As soon as he did that, that is classic. And I've seen, I saw T two plenty of times, but then seeing it in the theater again, oh man, I was like, oh man, oh, oh my god! I know not why you cry. Oh my god! And so yeah, that's just one of those things where it sticks with me. Yeah. Um, where lines like that can stick with you. Mm-hmm. Definitely another thing too that that you know when a movie is layered with different multiple meanings, it's almost like hip hop in a way. Like when somebody raps, they can be saying three different things at once, you know. And I think that's why you, Mark, and my uh, and Andre and myself all enjoy certain movies that are layered, like to the like that have so many different meanings to it. Right. Such as Us, for example, or um, you know, Back to the Future is layered. We love movies like that because it's like you're you get to it's like a game almost. You get to decode it. Yeah. And what does it mean? You know, so that's another I've way. never spent more time with any 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 duo of watching movies and being able to just like you mentioned, decode a movie yeah. than with you guys because the time we saw us we, I think the showtime was at seven. We got out at nine. Right. And then from nine to I think we were at I think we were at Union on Yale to like twelve. Yeah, we were talking about that movie for three hours, and just talking about what is it about the tethered, the this, the that. So much meaning it to that plays, movie. Dude. It plays into you know, it just plays into uh, think about it like a, in order for you to have a a nice a nice cake takes several layers maybe different fillings maybe this but it's it's still nothing's going to satisfy you more than a rich you know layered cake versus a simple birthday cake perfect analogy yep you know um i've i've also enjoyed historical epics Mm. so even ones that kind of dabble more into fiction like the gladiators the troys yeah i was thinking gladiator right away when you said that there's there's dances with wolves I think is like one of the best. I haven't films seen that ever. one actually, dude. I remember watching that. Man, my dad probably watched Dances with Wolves as many times as he's watched Ace Ventura, and I've watched <laughs> Ace Ventura a lot. Yeah, I watched that a lot too. Oh my gosh! So, but Dances with Wolves, it is just yeah. 
almost true to form of a, of a true story Damn. of what happens when, you know, this, this army officer ends up, you know, uh, ends up, uh, uh, alienating himself to the army and just leaves with, uh, native Americans mm, Wow! and just learns the culture and just ends up becoming this guy called dances with wolves. He's just that dude. That's his name. And, uh, yeah, man, Kevin Costner killed it with that one. Oh yeah, oh That's yeah. He, Kevin Costner he, play. He had he he had the back to back with that and Robin Hood. Oh damn. He almost had it. He almost had a good one with Waterworld, but Waterworld was trash. Almost, and, almost. Yeah. Waterworld is a great. It's it's visually pleasing to the eye. Us, you know, humans ourselves, we're not used to seeing just water yeah. all day, and here we are being transplanted into a world where the ice caps have melted. Yeah. And we are, there's just n- little utopias of just hunks of metal and, 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 and housing within it. And the setup like, was great for the storyline. Oh, yeah. The setup is awesome. Like, but it's what just was the missing? What was the missing? You feel like Waterworld to me would have been, would have been way better. I know, I know a lot about it though. So it's like, there's a lot of drama between Kevin Costner ended up, kind of directing it oh, okay. because the director was just at a point where it's like, okay, you want to do this film? Like you tell us what you want. Kevin Costner was that high and mighty oh, okay, that gotcha. he was just, it was basically putting, he was basically putting himself over the whole movie. So I'm thinking there's a different storyline that could have been done with that where he's, he didn't have to have gills behind his ears. I mean, you know, he didn't have to be this one like super aquatic person. He could have just been a normal person, but cause Essentially, to me, like Waterworld didn't need this one, this one great white hope. You know, Waterworld mm. was just—it's about the environment around you. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah, it's, it yeah. doesn't require this like omnipotent hero that has this special ability versus everyone else. It would have gave it some sort of realism too. I think if if like it didn't have that, and when it right. did, as soon as it brought that out, you're right. It was kind of like okay, but because he's the only one, and then yeah. he is. They they try to force you to sympathize with him because everyone is against people with gills yeah like, unless yeah, it was going into like an aquaman type of movie or something maybe but right. it wasn't It'd be a great premise to having gills behind the ears would be a great premise for something of like yeah. a, like aquaman yeah like a superhero movie or something but you know but with this you don't you don't have that yeah i th- I, th- I personally think Waterworld could have been a great film because it just looked stunning looked incredible i've never seen that blue of water before in my life mm-hmm so yeah, I, to to me, it's just there's a few things that could have been taken it away. It could have been Mad Max on water, could have exactly, and that's yeah. where it was headed. It's it it's just something that we're never used to as humans because we're used to doing all our all our all our deeds on wa- on land. Yeah, to have it done on water, we rule the seas finally. Yeah, right. You know, like without being pirates and ships. Yeah, that would have been it. I um, with me. The, the the movie experience uh, human emotion there's nothing better than just just sympathizing with sympathizing with uh, with the protagonist the whole movie um, you know there's going to be multiple scenes where I get welled up and I'm like man no matter how many times I see this I'm going to like shed a tear like, like you saw the notebook oh I know like the many times I've seen <laughs> no, the notebook a league of their own um <laughs> Schindler's List. Oh man! So Oscar dude. Schindler is 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 basically giving himself a self assessment of what he could have sold off to buy 
to buy more people. And he's like, I could have saved more. And Such a good movie. He starts saying that. It's in black and white the whole time. Dude, I had no idea what's his name was the was the main guy in that. Liam Neeson. Yeah, I yeah. had no idea. I was like, Liam Neeson is this? I was like, yeah. damn, dude. Yes. Looks the same too. Yeah, he does. He um with the with the Spielberg kills it with this one. Spielberg just I love the fact that this historical piece was done so accurately, but at the consequence of being at one of the darkest times that humans have ever been in you know with the with the the holocaust but i feel that everybody needs to see schindler's list because we need we need to visualize going through that and overcoming that that dark period of time yeah thwarting the thwarting the evil there the true evil it's not even something we made up this is literally just a group of guys trying to eradicate a whole race. It's crazy how powerful Liam Nielsen's character was like very, just a prominent guy, like not even a part of the military or nothing. Just, he was so powerful though. Like he was on like friends with these just guys. an incredible networker. Oscar right. Schindler was just, and it shows you like the power of that type of person. And Absolutely. What they can do. And him unknowingly helps the Jews unknowingly until the end, he realizes it and says, just one more like i could have got one more like i i saw that you know. i saw that the day after christmas and i took my mom because she's never saw schindler's list yeah i've seen that scene plenty of times seeing it in the theater this theater experience i i, I cried from both eyes i was just like i'm not gonna cry like i already seen this that already played into my mind but i was yeah. just like i was watching it and it was just like clockwork dude it was insane I thrive on that kind of emotion with that. There's movies to me that's always are always going to stick with me like that. Like Shawshank Redemption's mine, dude. That right. movie, I watch that, and at the end, I'm I'm just like, damn, dude. This guy was serving time. Supposedly, he actually in the movie, the the viewer is kind of given the idea he actually is a real innocent guy, but you know he's he's still taken into jail. He serves his time, you know, he's just trying to do right, you know, Yeah. and he makes these friends and he shows them by making a deal with one of the officers. Like he's a smart dude. He knows his paperwork. He starts changing things in the, a movie that could be so sad and so like, you know, down, such a downer type of movie. It ends up being a real depiction of redemption. You know, it's just like, yeah. I think the only sad yeah. part, the only, the only downtime about that is that when, uh, Brooks yeah. finally gets released, he's right. like, um, when he's about to get released, actually, he ends up hanging himself in the library, right? He doesn't right? know what to do with his life. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. ends up hanging himself. Yep. Freaking Brooks, man. But at the end, you know, he's the guy, the main character, he ends up escaping. He escapes, you know, he, after this, he has this long plot from the, since the beginning. He knew what he was going to do. He executes it. And Morgan Freeman's like, where are we? He found him. He yeah. found him on the beach. Morgan Freeman finds him. And this guy is like made now, you know? So it's just a credible story, man. It's, if you if you're if you're like I said watching a if you have the time and you pay attention to this movie, the the beauty about the Shawshank Redemption is that it did well with it didn't do well in the theater, yeah. but it did well with word of mouth. Yeah, uh, a la uh, Bloodsport, Blade Runner, those movies that we've mentioned, movies that are just testament of great cinema, mm-hmm. didn't do good in the box office. But with the I can't believe I associated Bloodsport. 
with Blade <laughs> Runner and the Shawshank Redemption. I'd like to, dude. But I was like, still, was on but still, like it carried on post rental, right? In, in the rental, in the rental game, right? It yeah. was close to winning an award. I forgot which one. Um, but uh, it probably got a nod for I think Best Picture. I think there was a movie. Come on, Shawshank. Some some movie took place of it. It was like a detective type of movie, or some sort of police type of movie for. Um, that's, oh, you're talking about that year of uh, Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, right. Because it would have won an award, but it didn't because of Not some for other... Best Picture. 95? Yeah, it got snubbed for a, a movie that... You know the guy. I know the guy, too. He was in Men in Black. The actor who was Men in Black. Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, he was in a movie that actually won in place of like Shawshank Redemption. So it's, Shawshank Redemption didn't win because... I don't think it's a fugitive. Because uh, if uh, the future was good, but I don't think it was. No, I don't. It wasn't best picture good. Um, I'm thinking, man, what won best picture in '95? I'll, I'll look it up. Because I'm thinking there's a, uh, oh man, there's this one movie with, uh, oh man, Rafe R- Ralph. Well, his name's Rafe, but they, it's pronounced. It's spelled R A L R A L at P H. Ralph Fiennes. I forget what he played. Uh, he there's this movie. Watch it. You just read out the listing of all the all the best pictures from that era. There's this one movie where I didn't even know it, it was Which a best year? picture. Yeah, well, that year, Shawshank came out, what, 94, 95? Yeah, yeah. 95? 95. Okay. Yeah, 95. Yeah. I don't even know that movie, dude. I just know Tommy Lee Jones was in it. Tommy Lee Jones was in a movie that won best picture. 1995. Yeah, in 1995. I'm lost on that one. Yeah. A few good, there's a few good ones out there, though. Definitely a few good ones. I. That's what the theater does for me, dude. It's just the fact that you have movies like the overcoming of set odds, like Gladiator. Right. Gladiator's like <laughs> the craziest setup. So well written. Ridley Scott, again, just does it. Then you have the resurrection of good, realistic superhero movies. The... The, the late, I know, the early 2010s. It was The Fugitive, dude. The Fugitive won Best Picture? <laughs> yeah. And not a Best Picture. It won... Um, uh, <laughs> it was The Fugitive this whole time. Yeah, right? it really was. Yeah. Academy Award? Had to be uh, Cinematography. Yeah. Was it? I'm thinking... support Best Supporting Actor, Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah. Instead of uh, Best Supporting Actor, Morgan Freeman? Yeah, there you go. Okay. That's what it was. It wasn't the movie. It was actually on the actor. Yeah. But otherwise, Morgan Freeman would have won it for that movie, you know? Yeah. But he was a good Tommy supporting Lee got actor. It Tommy Lee Jones, that, that, that character in The Fugitive is so crazy. Like, it was so impactful yeah. that that character ended up playing um, someone else. Oh, really? No, no, that character ended up... Being in another movie. Oh, what? Yeah, that's totally different from The Fugitive. <laughs> yeah, that's really crazy. It's like the same officer, yeah. but played by Tommy Lee yeah, Jones. Yeah, I think it was deserving because I think Tommy Lee Jones, I didn't watch the movie, but I saw clips of it. it to me, it looked like he did a damn that, good job in that's just a few clips. What, yeah, he's all like, I want you to check out every outhouse, hand house, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, it was like, he was like one of those, <laughs> it was like The Rock in Fast Five where he's oh, all like, I want to check every tank so, being bought in a 50 mile radius. Yeah, yeah. This and that. It, it's, uh, it reminds me of that movie. Uh, what's that wartime movie, um, Apocalypse Now? Oh, yeah. That, that, that one sergeant in the, one of the beginning scenes. He's like, I love the smell of napalm in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It, Harrison, remember Harrison yeah. Ford's like three minute role in that movie in Apocalypse Now? Yeah. 
He was just there, just giving a dossier briefing, and then he leaves. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's right. I saw Harrison Ford, and I'm like, what the heck is this fool doing <laughs> <Yeah>. here? <laughs> just in a small little scene. Yeah, he literally just comes in with a folder and a cup of coffee, talks about the right. dossier, and then after that next scene, he never seen again. Yeah, you never see that guy again. He's just <laughs> questioning his uh, character or something. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, man. That, <laughs> that's the beauty about the cinema, You know, man. I didn't even know that guy who says that line. I love the small napalm in the morning. I didn't even know that was the guy from Godfather. You know, the concierge, concierge, concierge or whatever. Oh, um, uh, I forgot his name. Robert Duvall. There you go. I didn't even yeah. know that was that guy. I was like, dang, this is this young fool. Like, Robert Duvall, man. that role. He was killed good. that role. He Robert... almost didn't get that role either, too, but he killed it. Yeah, Robert Duvall, man. He that said guy's... he wanted a scene where he was helping one of the guys to show some heart. But the director was like, no, nope. we're not adding that. <laughs> Dude, that Apocalypse Now and movies like that, we even talked, we'll even briefly chime in on war epics. Like the good war movies mm-hmm. are just raw, gritty stuff. Say even Private Ryan, you have Apocalypse Now, yeah, Platoon. I haven't seen that one. Oh, man. I kept wanting to watch it, but I kept getting cut off on the streaming service. I, was, I watched it on the way back home. Um, after my father's services and yeah. I was just like yep this sound this looks like Vietnam to me <laughs> like it is the perfect the perfect depiction of Viet, the Vietnam War going into a place where no Americans been before right seeing the rainforest the humidity right we weren't gonna win that war nope we ain't gonna and, win that one and we we had to we had to leave with our tails behind behind and we don't deserve to win that one either we didn't deserve to win that it, it is beautiful how you depict that because it's just it's not the american success movie yeah the apocalypse now isn't platoon isn't it yeah. is just like it's uh mm-hmm. just madness yeah men being mad yeah you give it a give it a sec to watch platoon i was stuck on my phone from start to finish it was just like I think they stopped for food and I just kept watching just how like poet, like it was just, yeah. it's good stuff. You're just glued to the screen. After w- that. William Defoe's in it. Um, Charlie Sheen. And we mentioned, uh, you know, I'm going to switch Berenger. gears. We, we did mention Robin Williams characters like that. This fool, I mean, did some amazing movies in his career in his long career. Oh you know, yeah, absolutely. She um, dude on all walks of life. He's done so many movies, dude. Um, just, I mean, I know. I mean, I'm going to say just his work, even on the genie on Aladdin was just incredible. Like nobody's going to be, Will Smith did a good try and, and that's the best anybody's yeah. going to, I think do, but nobody's Robin Williams, man. Mm-hmm. Nobody. When Robin Williams is on, that fool was on. Yeah. No know? one's ever going to have quick sidebars like he can. No, it, no one, no one. You're going to have to be a damn good comedian to be, to hold a candle to him. Exactly. In that instance, it's it's difficult. You cannot. Goodwill Hunting's another one that showed like another serious side of him too. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing that side of Robin Williams was incredible. Um, and he's done, you know, a lot of like family friendly movies. He's done. He did too. a Christopher. He did a Christopher Nolan joint um, with him and Al Pacino, where they're like in Alaska, and the the main the main idea is that because there's so much, there's no there's no uh, nighttime. Yeah. Since there's no nighttime, it's always going to be daylight, like 23 hours of the day. Yeah. And um, he plays this this creepy villain. He yeah. did that with that, He's and then I think that. he had this this one uh, movie called One Hour Photo. Oh yeah. Where he plays one. this like this super creepy. Like, yeah, this yeah. creepy guy who's like watching everyone's photos being developed. 
very dated now because now you don't need to develop your photos. Yeah, but people still do that. Walgreens, dude. Yeah. People still do. But, you know, um, uh, there was a Miss Doubtfire. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire. Masterpiece. Uh, you know, it just, it's, it just shows, showcases, you know, all the aspects to, to Robin Williams and the character that fool is, you know. And the fact that he has to be at this event as two different people at the same time is like, you know, like how the hell is he going to do this? Dude comes back with lipstick on like, Oh, what, what's wrong? And the, the guy's like, you got, you know, you got lipstick. He goes, yeah, I was uh, making out this, this girl, this hot honey. And he takes a drink of his Jack and Coke. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, Oh, you dirty dog. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah, Pierce Brosnan his, was in it too. I forgot yeah. about that. His, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's a boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> How are you gonna contend with that when you're when you're? It's the mid '90s and your lady went off a of freaking Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Right, I know. Double seven over here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, going back to go back to what we were talking about with war, um, the human emotion just takes it all because there's just any good war flick is always gonna involve this this realism to where war isn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan did that excellently, like where. There's this. There's the one scene where, where there's a there's a struggling uh, uh there's a struggling uh private that got shot, and no one can save him, because if anyone else goes out there, they're gonna get shot by the sniper. Yeah, it's just it's just like playing Warzone. You try to heal up your homie, and then all of a sudden you're shot. Yeah, none of, none of it's just. I like that raw filter done with it with war movies like that. And all the great, all the great ones always play it like that. There's, there's never. There's even a scene in Forrest Gump I like where he goes to wartime too. Oh even, yeah, even that with Lieutenant Dan. You know, he's like, "Why did you leave me out there, Gump? I'm supposed <laughs> to die like my forefathers, man." Oh jeez, you, know, you got me over here. And then Trump's like, "I mean, not Trump. Uh, Gump is Forrest like, Trump. <laughs> Forrest Trump. Donald no, Trump <laughs> would like to lead you to believe that he actually was in war with the or... red hat. The yeah. But anyways, um, Forrest Gump's just like Lieutenant Dan. And, uh, you know, it ends up being to this guy's benefit, Lieutenant Dan's, because he ends up, you know, marrying somebody he loves. And, yeah. you know, he shows up at, at Forrest Gump's wedding. So and what, and what better thing, story. instead of asking for death, you get a new life yeah, with, uh, exactly. with the lady. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. exactly. Man, you know what? Talking about all this cinema, it ends up, it ends up, uh, actually ends up getting me into the final, the final, like, uh, positive affirmation that we have. So... With what we got with movies and the stuff that we watch on a daily basis, it's the human emotion. And it's the stuff that we find a common ground with, whether it's you watching it with a significant other or myself watching it with my two best friends and we just talk about it for hours after. It's the stuff that brings us together. And I think during this time where there's a lot of uncertainty of not getting together, I know that there's still ways where the human emotion can still be satisfied watching fantastic films like like the ones we've mentioned in this segment. I know that there's going to be a new there's going to be a new way to watch films coming coming in the new decade. Um it, this pandemic has actually laid the groundwork for it. But it's still the thing that's always going to find a common ground with uh, with all of us is going to be the watching films together, watching them 
and having that same connection with the film and actually being able to feel what the other person is going to say and just have that have that feeling and connection um especially now during these times where we're kind of losing that connection so i want to leave you guys with that is that if ever you feel down you know if ever you need the right film for the right emotion there's always a there's always a good film that you can go back to and just be like snap your finger and say yep i gotta watch that that's gonna be the movie to watch tonight that's what we gotta have man i feel absolutely thankful to being born around the time where films just took off and even had a backlog to watch a bunch of great movies after this is it's incredible time for 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 anybody and for people to develop new connections too with these films and i want to thank you guys for sitting with us uh, on another great episode this is episode 13 of come sit with us uh, i'm mark flores and i'm isaiah martinez and most importantly be well